Welcome. This is Victoria Schneps, president of Schneps Media, where we find print, digital, events, and broadcasting all brought to you locally. And I'm thrilled today as a power woman to bring you Sheila Thorne, the president and CEO of the Multicultural Healthcare Marketing Group. That's a mouthful. <laughs> it is a mouthful. Yes, yes. Welcome, Sheila. I'm so happy to have you with us today. Oh, thank you, Vicki. It is a pleasure and an honor to be with you. And we always shorten it by MHMG. That's easier. Multicultural Healthcare Marketing Group, MHMG. Well, I am so happy that, um, you know, we've gotten to know each other and the special work you do to bring the healthcare messages to the public. Yes. But tell me about you and let's talk a little bit about your upbringing and how you were able to achieve the great success you have today. Who was in your childhood that influenced you? Well, you honor me with that uh, kind of introduction and I'm humbled by that. But I have to say that my mother was my greatest influence. She was and is my shero. And she was the one that instilled in me the qualities that I bring to bear for my clients with regards to education. She was high school educated. She became a nurse by training when my father passed away at 47 from pancreatic cancer. She was 35 with four kids to raise in New York City. She chose not to go on public assistance. She went back to school and became a nurse until she passed away at the age of 80. So mm. she definitely was the biggest and greatest influencer in my life. I speak to her every day because I know and I hope that she looks down and she's proud of what she sees. It's a funny thing you should say that, you know, I do the same thing with my mother and somebody, I went to a medium and she says, you know, your mother is now a butterfly. <laughs> so I wear a butterfly I around my neck and I wear a butterfly ring. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. Greatest because influence. my mother's always with me, I think. So you and I have that same thing in common. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she clearly made it clear to me that I could do anything, whatever I set my mind to, whatever I would focus on and be the best that I could be, I could do anything. And I would ask Vicki from time to time, I said, mom, are things going to be any different? especially for people of color. And she says, I don't know, baby, but you can make a difference. So anyone that you touch or connect with will hopefully give people a different image of what it's like to be a person of African heritage or a woman of color. And that stayed with me because it's hard to get your arms around the big picture and the challenges that we all face in this great country of ours. But she always would say, yard by yard, it's hard. Inch by inch, it's a cinch. So, oh, I love that. <laughs> I so love I would, that. I would choose small things and one patient at a time, one client at a time. And hopefully as that grows, you begin to help people, to teach people and to reach people in a very basic way on the ground with reality, with transparency, with humility, and certainly with the feeling that we're all in this together. And we have to work together in order to solve some of the really big problems that we're facing, especially in health. Well, I know that's become your specialty, but you and I share both the heritage of being teachers in our first yes. lives. Yes, and right. I know that that had to impact you to be a teacher and yes. to be able to, I mean, how many languages did you teach? Which French, ones? Italian and Spanish, three. three so how did you learn those and how did you survive teaching? 
Well, you know, Vicki, it's an interesting question. I always wanted to be a teacher, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to teach. But I did well in English and in languages. So I said, okay, maybe that's where I will focus my attention. And that's what I did. And when I was in junior high school, I started learning French in the seventh grade. And I would do my homework and would listen to French radio. The sounds always intrigued me. It sounded so beautiful and so musical. I didn't know what the heck they were saying, but it sounded good. And I remember being at the kitchen table, doing my homework. My mom was in the kitchen and my dad came in and my dad said to her, what is she doing? And my mother said, don't bother her. She's doing her homework. He said, well, what is she listening to? She says, I don't know. It's a station she likes. And that really started me with a fascination for, for languages. And then when I got to high school, I uh, won a scholarship by the American Academy of Teachers of French. And I went to a French acting school while I was going to high school that was run by the Sorbonne with French teachers. And we came from all over the city of New York, born in the Bronx. And the first day in the class, Vicky, the teacher said, English is absolutely forbidden. If you speak English, you will be thrown out. <laughs> I learned how to speak French fluently. And then when I got to college, I minored in Italian and Spanish. And so language became my teaching tool. And that opened a world of experiences, both nationally and internationally, because I could speak those languages. And uh, been a journey ever since. So middle school for seven years, high school for four years in New York and Connecticut, and loved my teaching experience. And, and clearly that's really the basis of what I do today is teaching. The kids are just bigger now. <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, uh, you know as well as I do that I run a media company and I consider myself a teacher, not a CEO. And you're the same way. So we have the same blood in us of, uh, right. of the teaching blood is always in you. It never leaves Absolutely. you. So tell us about what you're it doing now and you. how you came to this career. Yeah, this was an interesting transition, uh, Vicki. It was courageous to leave teaching because that's a very stable job. You kind of know where you're going every year. And it's, it's, you know, once you get to handle love it, it's good. But I knew I could do more. I knew that there was more out there where I could use my languages and my skills in working with young people and groups of people. So I said, you know, I'm going to try something else. And I left teaching, very difficult decision to make because I loved it. But I knew there were bigger things ahead for me. And I left teaching and began to do temp work for banks, for fashion houses, for any kind of entity where languages was, would be an asset. What really struck my interest the most was healthcare because my mom was a nurse. My sister was a pediatrics nurse. I had a traumatic event in my family with my dad passing away at such a young age. So I knew that health would be important to people who look like me. So I began to look for PR agencies, advertising agencies that dealt with health. And what I learned when I would go to those companies is they weren't talking to people who look like me. And they would have marketing strategies and media campaigns but they weren't focused on the vehicles, the publications, the media that would reach people of color. And I started putting it on the table, program on diabetes, a program on prostate cancer or breast cancer or HIV. And I'd say, why aren't we talking to the people that have the disease? And they would kind of look at me strangely and they would say, oh, those people are sick because they're poor. I said, well, not all of them are poor. Why don't we kind of broaden out? And I began putting it on the table at these medical advertising agencies. And I said, well, just give me a, some money to do a pilot. And that's literally how it started in the late 90s with me doing programs on diabetes 
and HIV and hypertension and asthma and breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer. And it just grew and I said, I've got it. It hit the button, it pressed all my buttons. And I began to use that as my specialty in terms of campaigns, media and educational campaigns about health and how it affects people of color. So I saw an opportunity and you're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. You see a gap, you see a need, you fill it. And I began to really become expert in how to reach these groups uh, and, and certainly using government as well as part of my base. So I've worked for the top 50 pharmaceutical companies all across the United States. And for six years, I lived in London and I did multinational programs. And I've worked in five countries on the ground in Latin America. So companies come to me and they say, how do we reach Latinos? And I'd say, which ones? Dominicans, mm -hmm. Puerto Ricans, you know, who? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they'd say, well, how do we reach black people? I said, where? <laughs> Northeast, Southeast, West, it's all different. And what about Asians? Wow, that's an extremely diverse community. Korean, Japanese, Vietnamese, Asian Indian, all different. And then I've even worked in the Native American community with tribal mm -hmm. elders and tribal nurses in terms of their health unique needs and concerns. So Vicki, it kind of just exploded. It kind of just evolved because these groups were underserved. They weren't all poor. They needed information. And you and I talked about that. There's so much misinformation or lack of information. These groups became a viable market for my clients. And I asked them to give me an opportunity to reach these groups with health information. And if their product was as good as they said, maybe some opportunities to cure or to live better with the disease. So they come to me with that specific focus. How do we reach Blacks with messages about colon cancer? How do we reach Latinos with messages about diabetes? How do we reach Asian Americans with messages about cancer, hepatitis, and so forth? So I chose it. And I think that's the key to being an entrepreneur is to be intentional, be in focus, become an expert in your area. And that's what I set about doing. And so started my company in 2003 and I never have to cold call. I never have to do mailings. I speak a lot, I write a lot and people just call me and say, we need you. <laughs> well, there is a tremendous need. And I think having somebody who is knowledgeable and sensitive to the differences uh, is so uh, amazing to me that some of these very big corporates have no clue. Amazing. And you, Amazing. So you feel such an important role for them. Yes. And I think, you know, that's why we're very proud to have um, Caribbean Life, to have El Correo, to have Noticia, to have Gay City News, to it. be able to bring to a particular market exactly. who has particular needs. So, very you know, well, you know, you really are feeling, I don't know if there are too many Sheilas like you, you know, with, uh, with the kind <laughs> of uh, knowledge and know-how of what you do and what you've built. But I could tell, you know, you're, um, if you want to share a few secrets to success, because <laughs> you are so successful with our listeners on this Power Woman podcast. Could you share a few ideas with us? I really would be, I'd be happy to. And again, this is my lived experience. There are no silver bullets to this. There are no magic answers. But I think if there were three keys to success, the number one would be cultural humility in terms of making sure that we understand that no one culture is the best. We all bring something of value to the conversation and especially about health. We see it through a very different lens 
And we've got to be humble enough to say, I may not understand why you do what you do, but I really have to know why you do what you do. So get to know your target audience. If you're going to be a marketer, you have to understand the unique needs and concerns of a group historically and in the contemporary world that we live in. Number two would be to be very intentional, be very focused in terms of who you want to engage in a conversation and how to sustain that engagement. Your media vehicles are extremely critical to getting the message out, but there needs to be a wraparound to your media in terms of community events, in terms of bringing in community leaders who look like these populations, who are trusted and have a voice. So number one, clearly is know your audience. Number two, get the right messengers for Ooh. delivering that information because there's such distrust and mistrust in these mm -hmm. groups. And three, measure your success. People get very enamored of doing multicultural programs because it's new and it's different, but they fail to measure success. How many people came to your event? How many people read your media? And more importantly, how many took action because they were at your event and they read an article in one of your wonderful publications? That then gives a company something to really base a sustainable program on. You know, if I can say I appeared in, in one of SNEP's media's vehicles and I reached thousands of people, where do you go from here? So I think if there were any keys to success, those would be the ones that I would share with anyone who wants to be in a business, a small business like mine. And I've got less than 10 employees. So I don't have a whole staff and we're virtual. We're all online. We have been since 2003. So the pandemic hasn't slowed us down. When COVID-19 hit, boy, Vicky, that was an amazing opportunity to pivot to a technology base. So I one of the things of you training, I do see training. Yes. One of the things that um, I also know is that you said something to me that I want to share with everyone because it's such a powerful statement. Mm -hmm. Do mm -hmm. well by doing good. Yes. And if you could explain to me what you, you know, to the listeners, what you <laughs> meant by that. Well, I, I, I stole that. I guess I kind of extrapolated that expression from a, a quote that I read that has been attributed to Benjamin Franklin. It's called enlightened self-interest. You can make money and serve society. The two are not mutually exclusive. So I have a very not-for-profit heart, but I have a very business mentality. I've matched the two together and brought into it my teaching experience, and my understanding of living as a woman of color, and I put them together. So as long as I know I'm doing good, I will do well. And that's what my mom used to tell me. Do the right thing and the money will come. And she was right. It definitely I think has. I think, we're, we're, I think, what do they say? I think we're sisters from another mother. <laughs> because, I love it. <laughs> because, you know, what you just said is my life. Mm. And I yes. believe that that's our secrets to success. So I thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom with us. Sheila Thorne, president and CEO of the Multicultural Healthcare Marketing Group, making a difference every day. Thank you all for being with me. This is Victoria Schnepp saying goodbye till next time. It's thank been an you. honor. Thank you, Vicki. Bye-bye.